0: Following the Fed's fourth consecutive interest rate hike last week, should you be changing your investing strategy to time this inflationary market, moving from bonds to three-year annuity CDs? That's today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 403. Plus, Joe and Big Al spitball on asset location and Roth conversions for the in-laws, a net unrealized appreciation strategy for company stock in a 401k, and they discuss whether extra home mortgage payments are part of an investment portfolio and what real estate expenses are tax deductible visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click ask joe and big al on air to send in your money questions i'm producer andy last and here are the hosts of your money your wealth joe anderson cfp and big al clopine cpa
1: we got kevin from maryland greetings joe al and andy have been listening to your show for about a year found it through a google search oh cool Thank big you, Al. Kevin,
0: for telling us how you found the show. Appreciate yeah. it. Now well, we want we, to know what you Googled, though. Yeah. Flippant retirement?
1: Yeah. Worst uh, podcast. I, was Googling, <laughs> I was Googling something big. <laughs> the big house showed up. Uh, wife and I are 73 and retired. I enjoy it. Sam Adams Seasonal. All right. Wife drives 2015 Honda CRV and I drive a 2018 Honda Civic. Honda family. Yeah, I'm a Honda family. Hondas are good. Yeah, they last a long time. Our pensions and Social Security are sufficient to meet our needs and wants. Um, well, second in a row here. Yeah, right. Our own home and have a uh, owner home and have a one-year emergency fund. Currently, I manage our investments with a total of $1.3 million. The portfolio is 50-50 stock bonds. The portfolio is composed of low-cost index, uh, index funds and ETFs. In order to keep the portfolio balanced, the IRA portions of the portfolio now only contained bond funds. Recently, I'm sorry, recent bond fund ETF losses combined with RMD withdrawals force me to invest in bond fund in my non-qualified account. Given that any interest earned will be taxed at 22% Fed, 6% state. And given the promise of the Fed to continue to raise interest rates until inflation is controlled, causing losses in bond funds, I am spitballing the idea of putting future non-qualified bond money, parentheses, into a three-year annuity CD. Instead of the bond fund, the interest will grow non-taxed until withdrawal, and it will avoid any loss of principal due to the rising interest rates. At the end of the annuity contract period, I can withdraw the money, pay any tax, and invest in the bond fund. Currently, there is a total bond fund ETF uh, with a projected APY of 5%. I've seen three-year annuity CDs advertised between three point five and four percent. Would appreciate your spitball option on this idea. Enjoy your show. You keep up the good work. Okay, let's unpack a couple things. Yeah, three
2: three-year annuity CD. What do you think?
1: Um, he well, he's seventy-three, so yeah, that's possible. So he's in, in instead of a CD, like a certificate of deposit is that you're investing um it's a loan they're going to get a guaranteed interest rate that interest is paid each year so you could go 1 year, 2 year, 3 year. A 3 year this is a fixed annuity. It's basically what it
2: is. Right, it's it's not a CD. It's a it's like a I guess you could say it's like a CD, but it's an annuity.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a fixed annuity that's paying whatever 4 or 5% that's growing tax deferred and then when he takes out the money out of the contract then he just pays all the tax at once, right? Right. So instead of annually. Um, if he was under 59 and a half, then it's like, okay, well, you know, it's not really a three year CD because you can't take any money out of an, a non qualified annuity until you turn 59 and a half. Since he's 73, you know, I think we're kind of splitting hairs there a little bit, but it's, it's backed by the insurer versus a bank. So there's some nuances with this. You know, it's probably backed by the you know the general ledger of the the insurance company versus the coffers of whatever ADC yeah. uh, bank,
2: uh, yeah, which are then protected by the federal government, which prints our money. Yeah, so that's Can't pretty safe. say that
1: though. Well, uh, <laughs> well, there's FDIC insurance for CDs and bank deposits, yeah. right? Yeah, um, that's what I, that's what I mean. Yeah, FDIC insurance. Got it. Okay. Um, so here's a here's what he's doing though. Again, I think people get a little bit crazy here to the to the to the Nance ass or to the penny here. So he's got 50 50. He's got one point three million dollars and right. Six hundred thousand dollars, roughly six hundred fifty thousand to be exact. Sorry, Kevin, is in IRAs and six hundred fifty thousand dollars is in a brokerage account. Right. He's got one point three million dollars. The 650000 dollars in his retirement accounts are in bond funds. The other 650000 dollars are in equities. Is that how, are you reading it that same way? I mean, or listening to me read it that way.
2: <laughs> well, it says the portfolio is a 50-50 stock and bonds. Where did it say that it's 50-50 between IRA and and uh,
1: because he goes recent bond fund ETF losses combined with my RMD withdrawal now forced me to invest in bond funds in my non-qualified account. So there's actually more money in the non-qual than there are in the qualified account because yeah. he's got to add bonds to the non-qual. I'm just kind of yeah, maybe doing some doing yeah. some back of the envelope math there.
2: Yeah, it could be. Anyway, I think the 50/50 refers to the stock bond mix, but not, yeah, That's I'm not not too sure about the allocation between the the, the dollars in in the deferred versus taxable. Okay,
1: so if he has to invest bonds in a non-qualified account and he wants yeah. a 50/50 split, that would tell me <laughs> that he's got more money in the non-qualified account than he does in an IRA.
2: Got it. Yeah, okay, I'll go with that. All right. You like the Sherlock
1: I, of investing.
2: I I do <laughs> I, I do see your point.
1: <laughs> right? If he wants a 50/50 split, yeah right. right. If he had right, and then he's like, "Oh, now I got to invest stocks in my IRA." Well, that would tell me that his IRA is larger.
2: Yeah. Okay. I I will go with that. I I'm I'm starting to see your logic. Well, it, all right. Uh,
1: well, it's, 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 put you the know what?
2: It's that. Can't help it. Already had it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Okay. I'll go with that.
1: All right. And so. I got a couple of questions for Kevin in Marilyn though. So is it, so he's taking RMDs from his bond fund. It sounds to me that he's just transferring shares of the bond fund into the brokerage account, but I don't know that information or is he selling the money to take the RMD and reinvesting, in these bond funds.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure what to reinvest in, but since he wants 50-50, maybe that's right. Maybe he's buying into the bond funds.
1: But I, but then he's like, well, I don't want to keep this bond money. I'm, I want to buy this three-year annuity. So okay. if he's transferring shares, here's my answer, and then we'll move on. Because I'm not sure Big Al's following me here. <laughs> if, go, if, go for it. If Kevin is transferring shares, because we answered this same question a couple of weeks ago. With, you know, bond funds, bond funds are down. I'm going to sell my bonds and then I'm going to buy CDs, right? right? We did answer that question. So if he transfers in kind, and so what that means is that you have an IRA, you have a brokerage account, and you have XYZ investment. Instead of selling XYZ investment and repurchasing XYZ investment, you could just transfer whatever shares of XYZ investment into your brokerage account. You don't have to sell it. Now That is that qualifies for your required minimum distribution. If he's doing that, I would tell him to continue to do that because bonds will come back. You're going to lock in your loss and then buy a guaranteed product at 5%. That's fine. But then it's like, well, how big of a loss do you have? Because a bond is a loan. So you're lending your money for a certain interest rate. And at the end of the term of the loan, the bond matures at par. So depending on what type of investments that you own, if there's a bunch of bonds in there, and as they come to maturity, those are going to be redeemed at par through those managers, right? And then they're going to reinvest in other bonds at a higher rate, that's why you buy an index fund or an ETF. You just have a large, bigger basket, and you can get them at a cheaper price, and you're more diversified. I get it that you bought a bond ETF or index fund that maybe had a little bit longer maturity because you're trying to maybe get a little bit higher yield, and then all of a sudden interest rates flip on you, and you know, you're know you down 7 10 whatever percent in your bond funds. I would hate to sell that and then get locked into annuity, and then, oh, when interest rates Come back. You're, he's trying to time. Oh, the Fed has already promised us. The Fed says all sorts of stuff, you know. That, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen, right? So I don't know. He's trying to time markets. And if he wants to do that, if he feels better and safe at night, then 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 go ahead and do that. But it might not be the best strategy.
2: Well, I think the other angle is taxation, right? So if he's buying bonds or Bond funds in the non-qualified, he's, he's paying tax as as he goes on the interest payments. So with an annuity, he defers that until in this case three years. So, so that's a potential to, to reduce taxes at least currently. Or he could go into municipal bonds in his in his non-qualified,
1: right? If he's worried about taxes. Yeah, but I would if the market's down, he doesn't need the money. You know what I mean? Why buy CDs? Buy some more stocks.
2: Right. Change your allocation. Right. But so, so many people are looking at bond, bonds or bond funds and saying, well, this is terrible. What What else can... We... Because you know why that happens, Joe, is because people look at investments as as, as a standalone instead of what they're doing in the, in the total portfolio, which is a dangerous way to do it. Because when you start looking at each individual asset, you're always going to say, well, stocks outperform bonds, so why should I have any stocks? But then when the market turns, like it's doing right now, it's like... Well I'm really I'm in trouble, right? So you, you get you get the allocation that's right for you. You don't pay too much attention to each individual return. I mean, you do. I mean, if you got if you got a bond fund or stock a stock fund that's not performing it as it should be based upon the class of, of assets that it has, right? That might be something. Um, but in terms of and forget where I was going. It was the Maita again.
1: <laughs> yeah, perfect. But yeah, yeah, I think you make a good point though, right? You have to understand the risks associated with the investments that you're in and looking at the portfolio as a whole and what the risk and expected return of the portfolio is to match up your overall goals. Right. And it sounds to me that Kevin doesn't necessarily need the cash or the money. And he's saying, Hey, I want to make sure that this is exact 50 50. So instead of rebuying these ETFs or bonds at a loss, and the Fed's going to continue to increase interest rates and these bonds are going to continue to fall in market value price, why even go into bonds? Because it's a guarantee that I'm going to lose money instead of going into a CD or an annuity where I'm guaranteed to make money. Right. So if you want that guarantee, yes. Now just realize, okay, there's risk and expected return. That's fine. You just, you bought, you already bought the risk in the bonds. You're going to buy that risk, take it out and say, all right, that's fine. I'm going to accept that loss. And then I'm going to take this gain, and it could be a lot less than what the bonds do over time. But as long as you understand that risk and go for it, right? But if it was my money, but if, if it was me, I probably wouldn't do that because I've already bought the risk in the bonds, knowing that if interest rates fluctuate, I understand that what the bond characteristic does.
2: Right. Good point.
1: Read our blog on how to invest when
0: inflation is raging. Download our guide to pursuing a better investment experience and read the full transcript of today's episode. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the podcast show notes. You can access all these free financial resources. You can ask Joe and Big Al on air and you can share YMYW. You don't even have to put down your Mai Tai first.
1: We got Bob from Medina. Ohio. Uh, all right. Hello, Joe. Big Al. Andy, thank you for hosting such a great show and your insights. I've been a loyal listener since show 243. What a great show that was.
0: We're over 400 episodes now. So Bob is, oh, a, is a long-term listener.
2: Long-term listener. Like it. Yep. We have thousands of shows.
0: <laughs> That's well, we true, do. but we only have 400 and something that are actually numbered.
2: Got I it. think, I think we started counting it <laughs> a thousand. <Right>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he even says what a show that was like you guys always do. Anytime anybody quotes a podcast episode number.
1: It was a great show. I just got tell it. Me. Yeah. two forty three was the start. That was the start of something really special. Yeah. We relationship building, with Bob. It really was. <laughs> uh, we have some questions around the net unrealized appreciation rule. Ooh, new. Oh boy. Okay. Big Let me out. put on my thinking cap. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> After working in a Fortune 500 company for several years, I accumulated approximately $2.5 of tax-deferred investments in my Fidelity 401k. Of the $2.5 million balance, about 200000 of that is company stock. I left the company for another venture about four years ago, but kept the funds in the 401k uh, existing at Fidelity. I am 52 years old. Mary, two kids about to graduate college. We have two and a half million in my tax deferred 401k, 200,000 in a brokerage account, 200,000 in Roth IRAs, and 400 in cash. We have no debt, and I will have a pension of about $30,000 a year when I decide to retire. I expect to retire at about 56 years old. I now work for and invest in a middle market PE backed company and expect my proceeds. To be about five to seven million when we exit the business in the next couple of years. It's pretty good. That's not bad at all. Like it, like a big Bob. Yeah, <laughs> um, I feel that I'm in pretty good place with regards to having enough money to retire. Oh, you think, Bob? I <laughs> uh, got about ten mil, um, but or now. Well. Uh, Focused on getting as much over to the Roth in the next several years, especially with the market being down. I'm currently converting tax deferred dollars up to the 24% tax bracket, but wondering if there's a different strategy that I can be implementing for the company stock portion of the 401k utilizing the NUA rule and how that works. Also, I contributed to my 401k stock plan for several years. Will Fidelity be able to provide me with the cost basis for the stock that I currently have in the plan? Thanks again for your insight. I drive a Jeep Grand Cherokee, and I enjoy a few Miller Lights on the weekends. All right, Bob from Medina. Cool. No, Medina. Medina. (laughs) Medina.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I thought it was Medina. You were right in the first place.
1: Yes, like Medina Country Club. It's probably (laughs) spelled differently. <laughs> um okay, let's talk about uh net unrealized appreciation.
2: Yeah, so that's that's where you you work for a company, um public company, right? I think it has to be public, right, Joe? I believe so, yes. Um and the and you've got company stock in the 401k. Uh there's a special rule that allows you to distribute the company stock out of your IRA or 401k, actually 401k, I guess, uh, 401k uh, into your brokerage account. So in this case, $200,000 into the brokerage account. And then you pay tax on your cost basis. Let's say the cost basis is $20,000 just to make up a number. So cost basis is 20,000, you pay tax on 20,000, ordinary income same same kind of income as salary. And then the other $180,000 is what they call net unrealized depreciation. When you actually sell that stock, you'll pay capital gains on that extra $180,000 of appreciation, but a capital gain rate is a lot less than an ordinary income rate. And so when you've got that possibility, uh, then it's something to always consider because you'll be, you'll be basically converting potentially a lot of what would otherwise be ordinary income into capital gain income.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Bob, you definitely want to look at that strategy because he's realizing, all right, well, I got a pretty good balance in my retirement accounts. That's all going to be taxed at ordinary income. I'm going to get a nice little windfall after this little PE deal that I'm working on, you know, just a cool little five to seven million in a couple of years when I exit, when the sponsor exits, you know, you got to just get all the lingo in there, Bob. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, so he's going to have some cash and he's like, man, I got a lot of money in this retirement account, but Hey, is there another way? Because we always talk about conversions, but for those of you that do have company stock, so it's not any type of stock. So we worked for a fortune, you know, let's say he worked for Microsoft. He's got Microsoft stock inside his 401k. He could take that Microsoft stock out of the 401k and pay tax only on the basis. Uh, which is a pretty good deal if you have highly appreciated stock. So that's why the whole technique is called net unrealized appreciation. So that unrealized appreciation that you have is going to be taxed at that cap gains rate versus ordinary income versus every other dollar or every other type of investment that you hold in your retirement account is going to be taxed at. So, um, and yes, call Fidelity, find out what your basis is. If he can't find the basis, which I would highly doubt that Fidelity wouldn't have that record, what would you suggest as a CPA and you're doing helping them with his taxes? Would you say best guess or, how, or, or wouldn't you, what would you do there?
2: Yeah, I, I think. And that's what well, I, Typically the the brokerage houses have that, but let's just say they didn't. Then yeah, yeah, then I would use best efforts to try to figure that out and, and come up with something that you think would be supportable and why it would be supportable for the IRS if you ever questioned. But typically I don't think that would happen in this case, but it does happen more often in like a brokerage account when you have stocks from years ago before the brokerage firms started keeping track of cost basis, right? They're and, and you know, there's sometimes people will have bought stocks in 1990, for example, and they, they all you can do is, is best guess on when you bought it. And now with the internet, you can look at what stock prices were back then and try to figure out your number of shares. Again, it's not going to be perfect, but best guess. But generally, anyway, the, the Fidelity should have that information.
1: All right. Thanks for the question, Bob. Congrats on all your success and uh, good luck with your little middle market PE backed. <laughs> Company. Uh Tim, New Jersey, he writes in. He goes, Hey, Joe, Al, Andy, love the show and the great content you produce. I listen to your podcast every week. All right. I drive a Toyota sienna Is that right? Sienna? Yeah, that's right. Okay. And Perfect. my drink of choice is whiskey meat. My father-in-law is retired enjoying the extra time working in his new wood shop. He asked if I could look over a situation. I'm hoping your spitball will match my advice. Here's the situation. Uh, he's 73 years old, between pension, RMDs, and Social Security. His wife takes her Social Security. They bring in about $108,000. They have half a million dollars in IRAs. 94000 in fil. Father-in-law is Ross. Phil Roth. Father-in-law. Father-in-law, Roth. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> that is a Good new one. one. Okay, ninety-six thousand and Mil Roth. Mother-in-law. Mother yep. Okay. How did you know that? Because that I've common?
0: seen Mill is. I've never seen Phil, but I mean, it makes sense.
1: So, <laughs> I mean, okay, it, it's like five hundred thousand parentheses IRA. So I'm okay. I know what an IRA is, and then all of a sudden, right? It's context, 000, Joe. He up.
0: says his father in law is retired. Bill, Bill so, Roth. Yeah, okay. I really? thought
1: I thought uh, I, I was missing something. All right, <laughs> five hundred grand in IRA, ninety four thousand in father in law Roth, ninety six thousand in mother in law Roth, in three hundred fifty thousand dollars brokerage. They have a mortgage on the house. They're able to cover all expenses through the pension Social Security. First question is concerning allocation. Currently, there are 80 stocks, 20 bonds through all their accounts. I know very aggressive, but they sleep well at night, and all their expenses are covered through their income. I have said that they should reallocate their accounts, putting all their bond funds in the IRA, and just keeping stock funds in their Roths. If they were to keep this allocation, does this make sense? Uh, and then he gives us some ticker symbols. Um, so he, it he is wants interesting
0: to, it. to know that that the first one is Bitcoin.
1: So <laughs> these, BSV is Bitcoin. So that's the first question. What do you think, Al?
2: Well, let's see. So, so first of all, I mean, so you just look he, he at, wants
1: to do some asset location. Is the yeah,
2: question right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you look at the facts, and his income is his, his expenses are provided from his income which is great, which means he doesn't necessarily need the investments to live off of, which gives him a lot of flexibility. Do you want to be more aggressive based upon what your goals are? Or do you want to be less aggressive because you don't need as much? It sounds like he sleeps just fine with this allocation. So um, uh, as far as asset allocation, let's see, we've got... uh,
1: He's thinking, all right, well, here, I'm telling them to put the bonds, all the bonds in the IRA and then put all the stocks in the ROP. I get it. This guy's 70 years old. It's 80-20, 20%. 20%. I mean, do you want to do all that hassle? Just, uh, I mean, mean, sure, you'll get a – if it was 50-50 or 60-40, then I could see, yeah, you would probably want to rearrange the portfolio, but he's already got 80-85% already in stocks in each account
2: yeah, it's and, and right, exactly. So it may it may be too much of a hassle. But I mean, the the concept is fine. Like let's say we don't know where the bond funds are, but let's say they're spread out equally, yeah, which which means they're mostly already in the IRA, right. So maybe you just have a little bit more to allocate to the other. Right. The, the bond funds in the brokerage account probably don't have any gain, maybe even have some losses potentially. So you tax loss harvest. I mean, you, you can do that. I mean, long term, it will it'll work out well. But yeah, it's uh, we're talking, I mean, I just roughly added up about one point two million. So 20 percent, let's call it two hundred thousand ish of bond funds. And if most of them are, if half of them are already in the IRA, just we don't know, but let's just say they are. So then you got the other 100,000. You could go into that exercise if you want to, but I'm not sure it moves the
1: needle that much. Sure. Yeah. It's $20,000 in each Roth, right? So you sell whatever there and then you buy more Bitcoin or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Um, But if so, all right. He's like taking the, what we say absolutely to the penny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's,
2: you know what, it's, it's the right strategy, but absolutely. you know, the, the other thing too is, is first of all, it's, it's your father-in-law. It's not your father and he's probably very comfortable with his investments. So do you really want to go there and tell him, <laughs> I, I heard this show on the radio <laughs> yeah. father-in-law and, and they said, you should do this. <laughs> so I'm telling you,
1: <laughs> oh. I'm just, just thinking out loud. Yeah. Because probably, you know, Tim's father-in-law is like, you're out of your mind. No, you know, thanks, thanks for like, the advice, Tim. It's like you're youngster. You don't know what you're talking
2: about. Just take, like, care, take care of my daughter. That's all I need.
1: Yeah, right. He's like, oh, shoot. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to send it into the to, to the boys over at Your Money, or Well. Maybe they'll, they'll agree with me. And then I'll I'll send them back. Then, the then I'll tell them. I'll say, see, I told you, pop. Pop and laugh. All right. Second question. Concerns Roth. Uh, Concerns of Roth conversion. Sorry, but you knew as this was coming. uh, Yes, we did. By having (laughs) to take RMDs, about $22,000 per year, they are just into the 22% tax bracket. They take the standard deduction. They are currently not spending all the income coming in. I suggest that they should use the next four years to do Roth conversions. I think converting all the IRAs is a little extreme, but almost possible it would be great to reduce the rmds enough to push into a lower tax bracket what's your spitball on this thanks for the help um all right so if i take 108000 and you minus 22000 and then you minus let's call it the standard deduction is i don't know call it
2: well hi. yeah call it 30 it's yeah a little less than
1: 30 but call it 30 so if you take the RMD on his taxable income is 60, you add back the RMD of 22. I mean, he's right at the top of the 12, just touching the 20 percent the rate.
2: way it is right now. So do you want to pay all that much more tax? Right.
1: He's paying like a a few bucks in the 22 percent tax bracket, what it sounds like.
2: Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's it's not like this is too far out of whack. Right.
1: Yeah, it's if it was half in the 22% tax bracket, then it's like, you know, because how marginal tax brackets work is that you don't pay any tax at all until you reach the 10. And then you pay tax at 10% from I got the exact numbers here. Um, Oh, that's good. Because I know. (laughs) Okay. If if, if you're married, so this individual is married. So zero to $20,000, 500 is the 10% tax bracket. Okay. and then from twenty thousand to 83 thousand is the 12 percent tax bracket so the top of the 12 is 83 the bottom of the 12 is twenty thousand so the first twenty thousand dollars of taxable income is taxed at 10 percent and then the remaining up to 83 thousand is taxed at twelve percent and then anything over 83 thousand is going to be taxed at 22 percent right right Yep, and so if he's like, if his taxable income is eighty five thousand, only two thousand dollars of his taxable income is going to be taxed at that twenty two percent.
2: Right, and so do you want to fast track a higher tax to avoid a lower tax later? And the answer is probably no. And I and I guess just to recap, here's what Joe did: so he took the total income of one hundred eight thousand, and he subtracted out the standard deduction. We'll call it thirty thousand, and he took out the RMD. So without regard to the RMD, and you got what about sixty thousand ish, somewhere yeah. somewhere in there. Okay, so now you have sixty thousand, maybe a little bit more, but sixty thousand. Now you add your RMD back to that to figure out what bracket is it taxed in. And when you look at it, almost all of it's taxed in the twelve percent bracket. So do you really want to be paying tax at twenty two percent? Right. Because most of the RMD is taxed at the 12 percent bracket. So if you do a Roth conversion, all the conversion will be taxed at a higher bracket. So that doesn't really seem like a great idea.
1: Right. Because you're you're taking everything because the RMD is not going to grow all that much potentially unless Tim's father-in-law dies. Right. And then you have the mother-in-law or vice versa. Then all of a sudden, all these brackets get cut in half. And then you still have the big RMD. I don't know what the survivor benefit is on the pension. And then, you know, she or he will take the higher of the two Social Security. And I would imagine that a lot of that RMD would then be taxed at that 22% tax bracket, which is turning to 25%. So Tim could be planning for himself and being like, you know what? I'd much rather inherit the Roth than the IRA. Because yeah. I'm in a pretty high tax bracket because I'm astute. I listen to your money, or wealth. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And father-in-law has this money he
2: doesn't need. Yeah. So let's get let's get into a Roth.
1: Let's get it into the Roth. So it does make sense to some degree. But 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 Tim, just realized that only a few dollars are taxed at that twenty-two percent. So if you go to the top of the twenty-two, which is hundred and eighty thousand dollars, so you could convert a lot of that money out. But I don't know. You you would have to run a projection to see. Okay, in twenty twenty-six, the twenty-two is going to turn to twenty-five. And then the RMD is going to continue to grow. If they're not using the money, the 500,000 could be a lot more, depending on if we have a big bull run. You know, now those RMDs are taxed at 25% versus 22 So could you get a lot of it out at 22? Yes, that makes sense to me. The market is down 20%. So converting this year is an absolutely no-brainer to me. So I would at least have a bite off slowly. Maybe, you know, convert this year, pay the tax. See where the run-up comes, and then do another calculation to say, okay, well, we converted a hundred thousand dollars out. Now, what is his RMD on four hundred thousand versus five? And then it's probably not even going to breach the twenty, you know, the twenty-two percent tax bracket, or get enough money out of the IRA where his RMDs in the future will stay in that lower twelve or fifteen percent tax bracket.
2: Yeah, that's well said. You brought up two really key points, Joe. One being is is one spouse will probably survive the other and the, and the surviving spouse will be in the single tax brackets, which mean they'll be in higher tax brackets, number one. And number two is we're in a down market. So when you convert now, when the market turns around, you get that growth in the raw. So there are a couple considerations that sort of negate what we just talked about.
0: Find out how recent tax legislation and proposals impact you, your family, and your retirement savings, and understand the strategies that can help you reduce your tax liability as you plan for retirement. Register for our free end-of-year tax planning webinar with Pure Financial Advisors Tax Planning Manager, Amanda Cook, Esquire, CPA, Wednesday, November 16th at noon Pacific time. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes, reserve your spot now, and download the companion end of year tax strategies guide. It's all free from your money, your wealth, and pure financial advisors.
1: Uh, Lee from Jacksonville uh, writes in Hey, Jabba. <laughs> <laughs> is this, we someone's did this before, right? It I was Will so.
0: the gas siphoner who did this, and this is not Will.
1: Oh, my God. It's, it's, it. It, it's, it's still, becoming
2: a thing. It's still clever, though. Jabba. Joe, Andy, Big Al, Jabba.
1: Quick question about my home mortgage. Uh, when making extra payments to reduce the amount of interest paid, do you consider this to be part of an investment portfolio? Granted, it does not make gains as time goes on. However, the value of a home generally increases. Do you find this to be logical? Or is it a pseudo idea? Thanks for always providing great information as it pertains to money. uh, So we don't have to eat from the same bowls as our pets in retirement. (laughs) What do you think, Al?
2: No, it's not part of your investment portfolio. I'm not saying you don't necessarily, I mean, so a lot of financial advisors tell you not to do that because generally your investment portfolio uh, is going to earn more than your mortgage. Uh, at least that's how it has been the last decade or two. Things may change, may not. Who who knows? Um, I've done it though, so I mean, I'm not saying don't do it, but I would I would make sure that you're saving enough in your investment portfolio to be able to have extra to be able to do that if in fact you want to do that. That that's how I would say it.
1: Yeah, um, because what you're doing is you're taking a liquid asset and you're putting it in, into an illiquid asset, right? Your home equity. And then all of a sudden, right, we, we see this. It's, oh, my house is paid for, but I, I'm broke. I got no money, right? I got no cash. Yeah. And then something happens and guess what? You're going to refinance your house and pay a bunch of fees to get cash out of it.
2: Yeah, right. And we, we have seen that many times. And here's the other thing too. The house is going to appreciate the same, whether you have a mortgage on it or not. So it's not like you paid this off and got more appreciation. You can't really look at it that way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you're just you're, you're you're creating more equity faster. Yeah, but you're losing liquidity faster.
2: Yes, you are. Um, but so, I, I, but I'm not saying I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong. Because I mean, a lot of people when they retire, Joe, would prefer not to have a mortgage. Oh,
1: without question, I'm not. My, I'm not my, arguing myself. That strategy. No,
2: no, no, no. I know myself included. But the, but the point is, make sure that you have enough saved in your investment portfolios to be able to cover your retirement before you start throwing extra money towards your mortgage.
1: But I guess he's the the, the question um, Lee asked um, is, hey, would you consider this an investment? And, and I don't. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> no, it's not an investment. It's called debt that you're paying off. Um, and you, you got to look at interest rates, too. I mean, if he's paying extra on his interest rate that he, you know, <clears throat> when did he re- get, get the interest rate? Right. If it's three percent, would you be paying that thing off?
2: Right. Yeah. Now that seems pretty good.
1: Right. I mean, look at where ho- home mortgages are today. What interest rate do you have? Uh, I mean, now you could do a full arbitrage on, it. let's say, if you had this mortgage for a while, I mean, take that money and, and buy one of these, what, CD annuities that everyone's <laughs> talking about.
2: Although, you know what, maybe this kind of question comes up more right now because the market has not done well. So now you're thinking, well, why should I keep investing in a down market, right? Because I could at least pay off my mortgage right? And save 3% that way. But the truth is when the market's down is exactly when you want to increase your investments because now stock prices are cheaper because you'll do better in the long run. So don't get confused about that. You don't stop investing in a down market. If anything, you actually want to add a little bit more.
1: Yeah. I think Lee is doing what a lot of people do. And unfortunately it's probably the exact opposite of what you should do because this is where emotions come into play is that, all right, hey, I have a mortgage on my house. Uh, my investments are down. What should I do with this extra cash flow? I don't want to throw good money after bad by buying more in my 401k because my 401k is down 25%. And it, it would sure feel nice if I could you know pay off my mortgage. And I'm going to throw extra payments in there. And then I'm just going to tell myself it's an investment. Well, A, it's not an investment. And B, you got to pony up a little bit. This is where people really make mistakes and people that do this right end up winning and people that do it wrong, unfortunately, don't necessarily come out as well on the other side because they don't have a well thought out strategy or plan or have the discipline to keep their strategy alive. Yep. Good point. We got Chris from Edina, Minnesota. Uh, Big Al, quick real estate question for you. Can't even believe I'm trying to submit on this website, but here goes. Oh, we got it. Yeah, I guess it works, huh? Yeah, website sucks, but thanks for (laughs) keep trying. It probably took them four times. Probably. Uh, Just bought a second home that includes a lease back for four months. Is this considered rental income that must be reported to the IRS? If so, can we deduct any of the closing costs or any other expenses like buying new furniture for the place? The rent will be received October 22nd through February 23rd. $3,000 a month with your trips to Hawaii and Italy. I figured you were well-rested and could give Joe a question off much appreciated. Keep up the incredible work. Well, thank you. All
2: right. Well, I am well-rested. In fact, I'm in Hawaii right now as we speak (laughs) super rested. Um, (laughs) in fact, if I just like nod off, you'll know, I'm just, (laughs) I'm chill. All right. I'm just, I'll hang loose and I'm chill. Anyway, uh, Chris, so, um,
1: yeah, so lease you, back. So, what, what, I mean, explain
2: that. Yeah, so so you 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 buy a property, but the person that sold it's not quite ready to leave, right? So they they want they want to lease it back from you for a period of time. In this case, four months. So Chris buys the property, it closes escrow. The current owner now becomes a tenant, and is, is going to stay there for four months, right? Until they make arrangements for their next home. Totally legit. Happens all the time. That four-month period, yes, that is rental income. So you have to report that as rental income. And you can report normal rental expenses against it, such as um, homeowners association, interest expense, maintenance to to, um, fix up the property or at least have it maintainable. Like let's say something goes wrong with the stove. You're going to have to fix it because you've got a tenant there, things like that, all deductible. You actually can depreciate it. Uh, Over that four month period of time. So, probably with all that, you'll end up with a, I'm guessing, maybe a net negative anyway, or at least close to it. As far as some of the extras, closing costs, you know, when you buy a rental, um, you can deduct it over the term of the loan. Which presumably is probably thirty years, so maybe you could you could get you could get four months of thirty years as a deduction. Buying furniture—that's uh, not really—that's for you. <laughs> that's not for the tenant, so I wouldn't try that one. But yeah, normal rental expenses and maybe a little piece of depreciation, uh, and then and then call it good.
1: All right. Um, Al's in Hawaii, enjoying um, his time there. We're grinding away here in San Diego. Uh, But appreciate everyone taking the time to listen once again this week. uh, Please get your questions in if you like the show. Um, That's great. We love having you. Anything else? I
0: think think we're set.
1: All right. Thanks again. Your Money, Your Wealth. We're signing off.
0: But just until next week, Edina, Medina, McAllen's Neat, Jabba, and the movies and the big old derails at the end of the episode, so stick around. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call us at 888-994-6257. Schedule a free financial assessment in person at one of our seven offices around the country or online at a date and time convenient for you no matter where you are. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. In. Edina. I've never even heard of that. I would have yeah. not guessed that that was how that was pronounced. Or,
2: or it could be,
1: it's not Edina? It's Dina. That's what I
0: would have thought, yeah. No, yeah.
1: this is like my rival.
0: Exactly. Oh, okay. The, <laughs> well,
1: you would know was, then. Yeah, it was very close to where I grew up. Got it. Okay. But okay. this was like the little rich, rich part of town. Oh, okay. Very white collar. Got so it. On the blue collar. You're, you're on, the, was other on side. the other side of the tracks. <laughs> I got it that explains a lot yes <laughs> yeah well if i if i move back to minnesota maybe edina would let me in maybe maybe so at this point yeah well, minnetonka something like that medina ohio
0: i'm guessing this one's medina
1: yeah me
2: too okay whatever but i won't i won't guarantee it but that's a strong <laughs> <Yeah>. hunch
0: <laughs>
1: yep you ever been to medina no. no it's just just a hunch joe got it you ever heard of it no
0: <laughs> uh, at least got something to go on with edina minnesota I, I know and, and so he,
2: he's probably right
0: <laughs> al he's right it is medina <laughs> i it just is? looked it up yes oh my
2: okay <laughs> all right i'm not going to question anything yep, else you say either. in this show joe I'm you sure got I'm carte blanche
1: johnny sure. <laughs> that hooked on phonics is working
2: reading <laughs> <laughs> classes apparently wow oh. Uh, yeah I think I think all my Italian uh, language lessons are, they've screwed me up I have different pronunciations now yes had a little whiskey neat over the weekend Big Al <laughs> oh you did I'm not I much of a, not much of a whiskey guy myself
1: you know I played golf with this guy and uh, we made the turn first time I met him a uh, very nice person and then he's like yeah I'm gonna you want something to drink I was like what are you getting he goes yeah I'm gonna get a Macallan's neat. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, all right, I'll try that." Right? Uh, yeah. What What do you think? Are you? Do <laughs> <laughs> you like it? Oh yeah, I, I felt cool. Uh, <laughs> but how about after? Nah, I mean, yeah, I didn't feel. Yeah, it was fine. Well, okay. Just a little, it burnt going down. But okay, I, I, I do I like it chilled though. You know, put okay. a in there. Got it. Java. I used to call people Java when <laughs> they were a little overweight. <laughs> Yeah, that's oh. you probably shouldn't no. do that anymore. I would call myself Java's women. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <Don't>, that, <laughs> that's okay. Wait a minute. That's so okay. you
0: say people, and yes, then you say it yourself. Myself, which means you're, remember, you're talking yes, about yourself in the yes, third person. Yes, I, re, I
1: re, no. I referred myself to <laughs> <as> Java. <laughs> we caught him on that one. Yep. Right. Okay. Um. Yeah, remember the site Totally derailed him. him. <laughs> No, what the hell I, then i was thinking about um what what's his name the guy that was like would drink gasoline to save a couple of bucks yeah
0: that was Will. yeah
1: Will. well the, the gas decipher. siphoner
0: yeah who actually didn't do that that was just the story that, that we came yeah. up with which they, ended up becoming the funniest thing that ever happened on ymyw oh
2: is that right how do yeah, you know so that?
0: thank you well that's true i guess something funnier might have happened before i was around the <laughs> funniest thing i've heard on ymyw <laughs> based right. on
2: upon, upon your humor okay right
1: okay <laughs> Uh, what is Juan up to here? It makes Juan's day, week, year, life when he is mentioned on Andy's Built to Last best podcast, a real self esteem enhancer. So, like Juan is writing in in third person. Yes, and yes, you
0: know that is intentional. Yes.
1: Wow. Jose and Juan are definitely spirit animals, enjoying many of the movies of the eighties. Yeah. But not limited to Fletch, Candy Shack, Lethal Weapon, one through four, etc. Those are really good movies. Yeah, I actually liked every one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Aloha, Al seems to be more of a romantic comedy kind of guy, uh, with argyle sweaters tied over his shoulders, with the feathered hair fully in place. Yeah. Well, um, let's
2: see. Let me unpack that. <laughs> romantic comedy kind. Dude, you're yeah. rom
1: com all the way.
2: Yeah, no, I, I'm not, I, I agree. Uh, Argyle sweaters, I've never owned one in my life, so scratch. what you,
1: We just did a TV show when, when you were Ron Burgundy. It wasn't an Argyle sweater, it was one color. <laughs> okay. But it was a sweater. You wore a sweater with a, and, a suit jacket on top of the sweater.
2: Yeah, because I, I had a, a little uh, <laughs> issue with my neck, so I wanted to cover it up. And then they started calling me Ron Burgundy, and then one guy compared me to Herman Monster. <laughs> because i had a turtleneck it's like okay whatever
1: uh, that would hurt huh it a little too uh, soon.
2: What, what, if you could only see me now right <laughs> let's see uh, a sweater tight over my shoulders i've never done that until i went to italy now i have done that a couple of times so i'll say okay i can see me doing that uh, feathered hair fully in place. Yeah, that's probably me too. Uh, yeah,
1: I did. He's got the brush. Oh, he, <laughs> uh, he's definitely got the brush. Um, all right. Andy may be more of the sci-fi fantasy movie buff. Perhaps Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter.
0: Nope. I already emailed him and let him know that that was off base. Well, um, what, are,
1: what are you then? Yeah.
0: My two favorite movies. Do you remember Lady Hawk from the 80s? It was, that was actually a fantasy romance type thing. And then no. Matrix won. With, like, um... Matthew Broderick, oh. Michelle Pfeiffer, Rector Howard. Hold Lady
1: Hawk? Yeah. Isn't that Sly Stallone? No. No, okay. Lady Hawk and then what was the other one? I'm sorry. Matrix. Matrix. That's a good oh. one. Matrix What won. about John Wick? John Wick?
0: I have not seen it.
1: Are you kidding me? John I'm Wick serious? blows the Matrix way out of the water. <laughs> okay. <laughs> are you are You like Keanu? You're a big Keanu guy?
0: Not big, but I think he's, he, he does a, a an admirable job.
1: Yeah, John Wick Wait- or um, the Matrix, the third one wasn't. I, I only
0: like the first one. The rest of them, I thought sucked.
1: Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. You don't, you're not like the sequels, huh? Okay. Perhaps some horror flicks. If she's filling up to it, maybe. Definitely it, it, not. It, they all yeah, give no. me nightmares.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I am such a wuss when it comes to horror movies.
1: Yeah. Okay, I we'll still s- have movies.
0: We'll I, I still have nightmares about movies I saw when I was eight.
2: Okay, we'll scratch that up.
1: Uh, just some wild guesses day one um what do we know Is Andy makes the show go we love Andy all right juan appreciate Thanks, juan. the appreciate the fodder there um but yeah I think you nailed the uh, big Al perfectly
2: <laughs> all right I'd say pretty close except for the sweaters